Well, I'm so grateful to be here this morning. Uh, as my wife said, this past week we, I was in Idaho, got to go with a ministry called Convoy of Hope that is making a difference. Through Convoy of Hope, at 200,000 kids a day are being fed throughout the world. Their goal is to feed one million kids a day. And uh, we are sowing into that as well as a ministry, as a church family, uh, because we believe and they believe that not only do kids need to be fed, but also women need to be empowered. Families need to be saved in these countries in which they're at a disadvantage and they're making a difference. Also, uh, yesterday I received an email from Convoy of Hope. They're already on the ground in areas in Florida, Georgia. Their semi-trucks are there and they go to church parking lots. And these churches have volunteers that are ready to assist when a disaster strikes. And so even before other relief agencies are around these areas, they're there uh, to be ready to serve the need that's going to be prevalent in a region. And uh, so it was great. Uh, but you got to understand, I went with three of my buddies. I went with Bishop Steve Perea. I went with Pastor Eli Loera and with Pastor Gary Duran. Now, uh, people said, and, and you made it back. Yes, I did. God's good. Uh, and they said, and, and they said everything went well. Somebody asked me in Cutler because they know that when we get together, uh, in Spanish there's a word, traviesos. That means mischievous. And sometimes we get crazy together. We tell stories, we joke with one another, and then we get to play golf. And then, you know, they were upset at me because here I am, a guy who hasn't golfed since last year. And I, and, and me and, 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 and Pastor Gary were taking on Bishop and, and Pastor Eli, and we actually beat them the first day. And Eli is a competitor. Uh, he does not like to lose, and he's like, how is it possible that he doesn't, he doesn't play golf, he hasn't practiced all year? I told him, it's the anointing. You gotta know something. I'm, I'm just anointed. <laughs> uh, but we were, we were, as we were flying out on Monday, and this will go into the message. As we were flying out on Monday, we had a layover. We were supposed to fly out Monday from Fresno on our way to Idaho at 6 in, 6.30 in the morning. Our plane was delayed for several hours, okay? And so we just waited there. But then uh, we finally got over there to Idaho. Then we, we enjoyed the three days there. And then on Thursday, as we're flying back, we're, we, we, we're in Spokane. We're flying into Portland. We got a three-hour layover. Now we're going to come back to Fresno. Well, on Thursday there at the layover, um, I saw fish and chips. And I wanted fish and chips for lunch. I love fish and chips and clam chowder. And so I got me some, and then they all decided to go and get the same thing. We found a place uh, to sit at, which was in, like in a food court. And so we have this table that is a table like for uh, eight to ten people. And I'm sitting here. Bishop is sitting across from me. Pastor Gary is next to me, and Pastor Eli is on the other side. And I made sure Pastor Gary was at least two chairs away from me. Why? Because it's the end of the trip. We've gotten on each other's nerves. Now we're tired. You know how it is. Y'all know how it is when you're out there doing your vacation thing. By the last day, you're like, I don't want to see your face anymore. So we're there, right? And, y'all, now you're connecting. So we're there, and, 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 and then we're sitting, and we're having our meal, and then Pastor Eli notices a woman uh, uh, probably about two tables away. Uh, she, she's facing us, uh, and, and she's there, and she's crying. And, 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 and Pastor Bishop sees it, and he says, hey, that lady's crying. And, and Pastor 
Eli's like, well, you know, now you can watch your favorite show on your iPad or your phones. And he goes, and you know how our people, he goes, we, they, they like watching their novelas. And when their character dies, they start crying. So he's saying she's crying because her character, her favorite character has died. That's what he's thinking. And so we're like, oh, okay. And then, but Bishop says, no, but she's still crying. And I'm like, well, but you know what? What can we do? I mean, she, 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 she's, she probably won't even understand if we go. And, 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 and so, but and Pastor Eli is saying, no, I, I'm telling you, she's watching her favorite character that found out she just died and she, she's just broken hearted, you know. And so, and I'm, and, and in the meantime, Pastor Gary is not feeling well, so he's got to get, go up and, and relieve himself. And so we're there. And in the middle of this, you know, Bishop says, you know what? She's still crying. I'm going to go. And he went and he began to talk to her. And then he prayed for her. And I'm sitting there like, oh, shoot, I missed an opportunity. And, 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 and then I'm looking at Eli. It's your fault. That's what I'm thinking. It's your fault. You're saying she's watching her novella. And then Bishop comes back and says, no, uh, she, she just got here from China. She's feeling alone. Her family's all over there, over there, and she's here all by herself. And, she's, and he prayed with her. Amen. Yeah, but for us guys that didn't pray, it's like we felt like heels. We felt like we missed a God moment. But Bishop Steve Perea illustrated what he has taught us. As a CWC network, he has taught us, you change the world one person at a time, one church at a time. And it was a reminder of the value of one. That our God, he values the one. He values the one. And that's what I want to focus on right now. I want you to look with me at Matthew chapter 12, beginning with verse 11, and we'll read verse 12. It says, then he said to them, that's Jesus, what man is there among you who has what? One sheep. And it falls into a pit on the Sabbath. Will not lay hold of it and lift it out. Of how much more, notice, value then is a man than a sheep. Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. The religious leaders of Jesus' day were more concerned about the law than they were about grace. And Jesus was committed to deliver man from their ills, from their diseases, from their dilemmas. Even if it was on a Sabbath, Jesus was willing to reach out and help those that found themselves in need. But the religious leaders were so focused on the law and said, you can't, you can't heal a person on a Sabbath. You can't, you're breaking the law. But the Bible says of Jesus that he was full of grace and truth. And Jesus illustrated it through his own life by the way that he would reach out to humanity. It didn't matter what day of the week it was. If there was a need, Jesus was ready and willing to help those that found themselves in need. And he uses here the example of a man who owns a sheep and the sheep falls into a pit. And then this man caring for his sheep, he reaches into the pit to lift out the sheep and put it back on level ground. Jesus uses that to illustrate God's care and concern for each 
person, each person that dwells on the earth. I want to say to you today that God is attentive to you to such a degree that when you think nobody notices where you find yourself at, He knows when you find yourself in a pit. But more than that, He is not just aware of your condition. He is committed through His intervention to change your condition. He will not leave you in the pit. He'll reach down and lift you up and put you back on level ground. Why? Because He values the one. In the words of Corey Ten Boom, there is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. I read a story recently about a man that fell into a pit and he couldn't get out. And it is said that this man fell into a pit and couldn't get out. And it was then that Buddha said, your pit is only a state of mind. A Hindu said, this pit is for your purging and making you more perfect. Confucius said, if you would have listened to me, you would have never fallen into that pit. A new age person said, maybe you should network with some other pit dwellers. A self-pitting person said, you haven't seen anything until you've seen my pit. A news reporter said, could I have the exclusive story on your pit? A federal bureaucrat said, have you paid your taxes on that pit? A county inspector said, do you have a permit for that pit? A realist said, that's a pit. An idealist said, an idealist said, the world shouldn't have pits. An optimist said, things could be worse. A pessimist said, things will get worse. But Jesus, seeing the man, took him by the hand and lifted him out of the pit. That's who I'm talking about today. That when your life finds itself in a pit, we serve a Savior who is ready and willing to deliver us out of the pit. Now notice, on another occasion, Jesus shared the following story found in Luke's Gospel. Luke chapter 15, beginning with verse 1, down to verse 7. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to Him, to hear Him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So He spoke this parable to them, saying, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses how many? One of them does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the what? The one which is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors saying to them, Rejoice with me. For I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Jesus, like the shepherd in the story that he told, was committed to reach the one. He was committed to reach the one. And we know that because throughout his ministry, 
ministry. Jesus took the time for the one. He took the time to minister to the one. We have an example in John's gospel. In the fourth chapter of John, we read in verses 1 through 4, Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John, though Jesus himself didn't baptize them. His disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Another version says in the King James, he must needs go through Samaria. The phrase must needs go. It's from a Greek word that is pronounced die. It means it is necessary. There is need of. It behooves. It is right and proper. There was an urgency within Jesus to minister to one person. There was a sense in him. Somebody needs my intervention. Something told him within that he must go through the city of Samaria. And if you read the story, you're aware that it was there that he met a a woman at the well. And it was there that he offered this woman refreshment from the living water that he offered. And we know that she accepted it because after their conversation, what happened? This woman, the Bible tells us, she leaves her pitcher that she had brought to draw water with behind. When she returned home, she is no longer taking that pitcher. Why? It was symbolic in her declaring, I no need, I no longer need I no longer need substitutes. I don't longer need other things. I found the real thing through Jesus Christ. And I'm saying to us today, it doesn't matter what we have tried to drink of or, or eat from until we have an encounter with Jesus Christ and receive what He offers. We will find ourselves continually left thirsty, continually dissatisfied. But what Jesus gives, it satisfies it quenches, it refreshes, it renews, it rejuvenates, it restores. What Jesus gives is lasting. <laughs> ah, and here is what I want you to see. Jesus was committed to reach the one. And through this story we discover that when a person or church commits to reach the one... There is a truth that will be discovered, and it's this. Your reach throughout reach is extended beyond who you reach. Your reach throughout reach is extended beyond who you reach. In other words, you don't reach who you reach. You reach more. You don't reach who you reach. You reach more. Some of you looking like deers on, staring at the headlights right now. Well, what is that about? But let me show you. If you read on in John 4, at verse 39 down to verse 42, you discover it reads, Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, He told me everything I did. Now notice, the woman had said. You know, it used to be said that there are three ways to communicate a message, to get a message out. You know, telegraph, telephone, and tell a woman. That's what we see occurred here. <laughs> because the Bible says that everybody, everybody heard the message through the woman. 
Some of you are shaking your heads like, oh, pastor, I'm going to have to pray for you again. Yes, please do. All right. <laughs> ah, but watch. The Bible says, she said, he told me everything I ever did. Now watch. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So we stayed for two days, long enough for many more, say many more, to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. I want you to see what happened. One woman was encountered by Jesus and was delivered by Jesus and was saved through Jesus. And what happened after that? This one woman went to her village, told them what Jesus had told her and they came to hear Jesus and they themselves then received what Jesus had to offer let me say to you this is why at CWC life we are committed to change the world one person at a time one church at a time why because we are one miracle away from turning Danuba right side up we are one miracle away from changing the destiny, not just of one person, an entire family, an entire neighborhood, an entire region can be transformed if we, like Jesus, will value the one enough to stop, listen, and share the wonderful message that it doesn't matter where your life is. It doesn't have to remain there. We serve a mighty Savior who can unstuck your life, get you going to where you were meant to go. Yep. Look at another example in Mark chapter 5, beginning with verse 18. It says, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. Now understand, this man had been demon possessed. The Bible says that he had a legion of demons within him. And the Bible tells us that when Jesus arrived to where he was at the beginning of Mark chapter 5, this man ran up to Jesus, bowed before him, and the demons Demons on the inside said, what have you to do with us? Why are you tormenting us before our time? And the Bible reveals that what the world couldn't do, what society couldn't do, Jesus was able to do. You see, the world tried to tame him and society tried to change him, but only Jesus could change him. And that's the good news I have today. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it doesn't matter what the addiction is. It doesn't matter what the bondage is. Jesus is able to do what mere medication can do. Jesus is able to do what psychiatrists and psychologists can do. Jesus is able to do what an institution cannot do. He can change you from the inside out. And this man experienced his deliverance. And in gratitude, he wanted to follow Jesus. But Jesus told him, no, 
you go back to your town and you tell them what I've done for you. But notice what this man do, does. According to verses 19 and 20, he didn't just go to his town. He then went to ten towns. He went to ten towns and told the people the great things the Lord had done for him. Do you, do you get it? That when you reach one person, not only can you change a person, you can change a city. You can change a region. This is why as a church, we will not stop from proclaiming the good news of the gospel because we are here to do as Reinhard Bunke said, we are here to plunder hell to populate heaven. We're going to plunder hell to populate heaven. Woo! Huh? You're one person away from reaching a family, a city, and a region. And back to Jesus' story in Luke 15. Look at what Jesus pointed out happens when one sinner is reached and turns to God in repentance. Verse 7 tells us in Luke 15, in the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. This is why one of our values here at CWC Life is to keep heaven in a party mode. How do you keep heaven in a party mode? You keep reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You keep sharing the unchanging, unadulterated truth that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. No matter what kind of sin they're enslaved by, Jesus is able to deliver. There's a man by the name of Lorne Sani that wrote a book entitled The Art of Personal Witnessing. In it he writes... We may not be like Peter, who preached one day and 3,000 were added to the church. We can, however, all be like Andrew, who after he had been brought to the Savior, he then found his brother Peter and brought him to the Lord Jesus. Peter fished with the net, so to speak, and caught large numbers. Andrew fished with a pole and line, catching one fish at a time. We may not be called to preach to great multitudes or even to groups, yet we can witness effectively to individuals one by one. The pole and line method. What a privilege that can be. We, like Andrew, might lead someone to the Lord. And that one, in turn, might reach thousands. Do you get it? There would be no Peter without an Andrew that was willing to reach out to one. And I want to encourage you today. I want to challenge you today. Think about the one. And even as I'm speaking today, the Holy Spirit will bring to mind the one. The one person that he wants you to keep reaching out to. The one person that he wants you to keep demonstrating God's love, care, and compassion to. Because I'm telling you again, if you will commit to reach the one, you're going to reach more than the one that you reach. Your reach will extend beyond that one. Then God will work through the one you reach to reach others. We are called to reach the one. A missionary to Africa told the story 
of an elderly woman who was reached with the gospel. Though she was blind and could neither read nor write, she wanted to share her newfound faith with others. She went to the missionary and asked for a copy of the Bible in French. When she got it, she asked the missionary to underline John 3.16 in red and mark the page it was on so she could find it. The missionary wanted to see what she would do. So one day, he followed her. In the afternoon, just before school let out, she made her way out to the front door. As the boys came out when school was dismissed, she would stop one and ask if he knew how to read French. When he said yes, she would ask him to read the verse that was marked in red. Then she would ask, do you know what that means? And tell them about Christ. The missionary said that 24 of the schoolboys that lady led to the Lord became pastors. Think about it. She reached these boys one boy at a time. And out of the boys that she reached, 24 became pastors. Multiply that. That woman not only reached one, she reached multiple hundreds and maybe even thousands because of her commitment. Today by day, I'm going to focus on the one. Who is that one? God is wanting to partner with you and I to reach the one. Because through the miracle of the one, it could be that a family is saved. A city is transformed. A region experiences revival. This is why we will not be silent. Listen to me. I'll say it loud and clear. As long as God gives me breath, I will proclaim boldly, Jesus saves, Jesus heals, Jesus delivers, Jesus baptizes with His Holy Spirit and with fire. As long as God gives me breath, you will not shut me up. You will not shut me down. You can threaten me with whatever, but this preacher will not back down because I know that I am here alive and free because of the gospel. Jesus is alive and is truly the Savior of the world. And we are called to resource others so they can reach others. Look what the Bible tells us in Romans 10, 14 and 15. But how can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him if they have never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the Scriptures say, How beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Look at another version of the Bible that says, But how can people call on Him for help 
if they've not yet believed? And how can they believe in one they've not yet heard of? And how can they hear the message of life if there is no one there to proclaim it? And how can the message be proclaimed if messengers have yet to be sent? That's why the scriptures say, How welcome is the arrival of those proclaiming the joyful news of peace and of good things to come. People can't hear the message unless others are sent. That speaks of resourcing. People have to be resourced in order to be able to go and tell the message. Think about it, even Jesus. Jesus himself. He depended on the resourcing by others to carry out his ministry. In the book of Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 8, we read this in verses 1 through 3. Soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women, notice, who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's business manager, Susanna, and many others who were contributing, notice, from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. Did you get it? These were women who had been delivered from demons and sicknesses. Anybody in this room right now been delivered by the power of Jesus Christ? Then like these women, we need to recognize we are blessed to be a blessing. If God has freed me, then I ought to be ready and willing to resource the gospel so that it gets out to help send people to share the good news that brought freedom to my own soul. Recently, I finished a book entitled One-Eyed Kings, written by a pastor who is now in his 70s in New York. His name is Bill Wilson. When he first started out, Bill Wilson was ridiculed because he was committed to focus on reaching children to what he called sidewalk Sunday school. And then he started raising funds to bring children to a building through buses, and he continues to do so today. And I was reminded of a story that I've shared, and I believe I need to share again because it never grows old. Bill Wilson, as I said, pastors an inner city church in New York City. His mission field is a very violent place. He himself has been stabbed twice as he ministered to the people of the community surrounding the church. Once a Puerto Rican woman became involved in the church and was led to Christ. After her conversion... She came to Pastor Wilson and said, I want to do something to help with the church's ministry. He asked her what her talents were, and she could think of nothing. She couldn't even speak English, but she did love children. So he put her on one of the church's buses that went into the neighborhoods and transported kids to church. Every week, she performed her duties. She would find the worst-looking kid on the bus, put him on her lap, and whisper over and over the only words that she knew in English. I love you, and Jesus 
loves you. After several months, she became attached to one little boy in particular. The boy didn't speak. He came to Sunday school every week with his sister and sat on the woman's lap. But he never made a sound. Each week, she would tell him all the way to Sunday school and all the way home, I love you and Jesus loves you. One day, to her amazement, the little boy turned around and stammered, I I, I love you too. Then he put his arms around her and gave her a big hug. That was at 2.30 on that Sunday afternoon. At 6.30 that night, he was found dead. His own mother had beaten him to death. And thrown his body in the trash. I love you. And Jesus loves you. Those were some of the last words this little boy heard in his short life. From the lips of a Puerto Rican woman who could barely speak English. This woman gave her one talent to God. And because of that. The little boy who never heard the word love in his own home experienced and responded to the love of Christ. The value of one. 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 The words of Edward Everett Hale should be imprinted on our minds. I am only one, but still I am one. I cannot do everything, but still I can do something. And because I cannot do everything, I will not refuse to do the something I can do. It should have been me who got up to talk to that Asian woman. I could have, but I didn't. Now, I got thrown under the bus in Cutler. I'm going to tell you that right now. Someone said, had it been Pastor D, she would have. And they said it because they've seen my wife in action. This person shared about a time in Denny's when my wife went up to the girl at the register. And I've seen her do it at Walmart. And there have been times earlier on, not now, but earlier on, when I'd be like, no, there she goes again. i got to wait. But through her influence, my life is changing more and more to value the one. Sometimes I need some pushing. The other day I was going out with her and we we're going to the car and then she remembered or no we're driving out of our driveway and there's a guy that's pushing a cart and it's a hot day and uh, so she says go back I need to get him a bottled water I'm like but we're already he's back there we're already en route and felt the conviction. 
made the U-turn. She went. The Lord said, I want you to do something. I've blessed you. You go and bless him. And then after she said, see, I knew you're a good man. And inside I'm like, oh, if you only knew what God had to do to get that out of my hand and do it. No, no. But I'm growing. I'm growing. There was a man who had a heart attack. And he was rushed to the hospital. He could receive little company and was to avoid excitement. While in the hospital, a rich uncle died and left him a million dollars. His family wondered how to break the news to him with the least amount of excitement. It was decided to ask the preacher if he would go and break the news quietly to the man. The preacher gradually led up to a question. The preacher asked the patient, what would he do if he inherited a million dollars? The patient responded by saying, I think I would give half of it to the church. The preacher then died. (laughs) Let me tell you right now, God's given you something that's worth more than a million dollars. Your soul is much more valuable. And for those of us that have been delivered, been saved, we have the best inheritance. We've got something to give the one. I want to say to you today, if you are in a pit, Jesus is here to lay hold of you and lift you out of it. Remember the words by Corey Ten Boom. There is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. Others of us, as I've shared this message today, someone has come to mind. It could be a family member. It could be a friend that keeps coming to mind and the Holy Spirit is saying, that's your one. It could be a co-worker that as much as you try to shake them off your mind, they keep coming up and the Holy Spirit is saying to you, that's your one. Keep reaching out. Keep demonstrating God's care and concern. And I want to challenge all of us, just like my wife and I are going to do again. We did it in color, but we're going to sow again into young life. I instructed them in color and they did so in front of you or behind you. There are envelopes, giving envelopes. And on those envelopes, would you give me the envelope, babe? There's our give. On those envelopes, there's a part that says other. I want you, if you feel led to join us on that part that says other where you can fill in the blank, put young life. And you can put the amount or just check that amount uh, showing that you've given towards that, and, towards that. And we'll make sure, thank you, babe, we'll make sure 
that all of it is sown into young life. I don't want that sixth grader to have to raise the support all by herself. To help kids get to camp, we want to be a blessing. Um, Let me share with you what I shared as I close this message in Cutler. There are some people who I met really just once a few months ago. And I pray for them. One of them I met on the way back from Vegas. His name is Danny. He lives in the Visalia area and he's a gifted person. And uh, as we talked with him, he, he realized God keeps bringing preachers into my life. And Danny wants to come back to God and I'm praying for that. Another is a Lyft driver I met. His name is Luis. Luis is an agnostic, or at least he was. I'm believing he's coming to faith in Christ. But as we talked with him, he just shared why it was hard for him to believe in God. And then I just said, Luis, can I encourage you to read a book called Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowell? And he said he was. And I've just been praying, God, let Luis come to know Jesus as a Savior. There's a lady by the name of Kim who on the outside seems to have it all together, doing pretty good financially. But Kim needs Jesus. And I pray for her as well. A young girl that was one of our Lyft drivers, Ardicella, Ardiceli, she was, had come in from Cuba. And I could tell, still trying to learn English, And I just knew this young girl is at a vulnerable place. And she projected and I just felt an animosity because of the struggle of I can't, I want to, I can't. It's so hard. I remember we just, finally she started to speak because I, I, I realized she probably can't speak English. So I started speaking in Spanish and I told her about the Puerto Rican restaurant that they had recommended. Oh, she said it was good. She started to open up. And then even after we went in, she went in there. But she continues to be on my prayer list because she's a one. She's a one that needs Jesus. And I think about, imagine, if she's reached, her family will know that she found more than she really bargained for in a good way coming over here. And I just want to encourage, that's it, give God praise. Give Him a clap unto the Lord if you're going to clap. Because I believe, I believe that when people cross our paths, it's not by accident. It's not coincidental. Father, I thank You for revealing the power that can be unleashed when we apply the value of one to our lives. 
there's one. One person that you're bringing to mind to people right now. I believe it, Lord. One person. And as I said in Cutler, I say it here, Lord, I pray that as that, that one comes to mind, we would commit this week to reach out. To share the gospel message if it were granted that opportunity. But as Seth shared today, our first priority, like you, is to just try to to connect. Establish a relationship with that person. Relate to them. And show them your compassion and care whether it's through the art of listening, whether it's through the taking of time to just sit in their presence and connect with them, or in a tangible way that is revealed where they need help, and you've blessed us to be able to help them. I pray, God, help us to follow through with that one this week. Thank you for showing us that when we commit to living this way, we reach more than one. Our reach extends beyond the one to others. Yeah. And Father, I'm praying again for those that are in a pit today. Give them the courage to call on you because you're ready and willing to lift them out of that pit before we move on in this service I'm going to call for those of you that are here today and you may be in a pit you're in a pit right now you're in a hole right now and you can't get yourself out of it but you so want to and I'm saying to you there is one that can rescue you The reason I can tell you that is not just because I'm a preacher. It's because I've experienced it in my life. And I don't get tired of talking about it and sharing about it. I know what it is to be miserable. I know what it is to be so low that you feel I probably won't make it another day. I probably won't make it another week. I'm just so tormented. I'm just so tired. I'm just so weary. I can't. And I've tried over and over to break this off my life. And I can't. And I'm tired. I know what it is to be in that pit in despair. I've been there. But I also know what it is to dare to call on Jesus. And find Him to be who He says He is. A friend that sticks closer than a brother. One that will get us out of the pit and place our feet on solid footing. On solid ground. I'm going to ask our prayer team to make their way up. And for those of you that would say, Pastor, I need to be lifted today.
I need to be lifted out of my pit. I need to be lifted out. I need Jesus to work His power in my life. Because I can't free myself. I can't get myself out of this hole, out of this pit. I need Jesus to lift me out. That's you. I want you to make your way forward right now. And I'm going to tell you again, as I've said it often here, there's no shame here. You've got nothing to be embarrassed of. You're being invited by someone who knows the need for help outside of ourselves. And someone that can tell you it's available today because I've experienced it in my life. You want to be lifted. You come right now. We're ready to pray with you. We're ready to agree with you. I'm also going to call those of you that would say, Pastor Angel, God's bringing to mind right now the one that I need to be praying for. The one that I need to reach out to. And the Lord helping me, the Lord strengthening me, the Lord guiding me, I'm committing to do that. If that's you, you come as well. We want to agree with you. And we want to believe with you that God is going to work through you to reach the one. You come as well. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, you are.